What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Sam Dunks, the weekly NBA show over here at Slab Stocks. I am your host, Sam. It's been a little bit of a rough couple of days here in the NBA. COVID-19 things going on, a couple of games postponed. The outlook for a number of teams is a little bit murky at best. Now the NBA is talking about potentially putting a freeze on the season for a week or two. I have no idea what's going to take place. Maybe tomorrow by the time you watch this, you will know. It is Monday, January 11th as I'm recording this. Uh, there's a lot in the air right now with the NBA season. What I do know is what's been taking place in the last couple of weeks in the NBA season. We're in week three. Lots of stuff to dive into, so let's get to it. Zach Levine has been on fire of late for the 4-7 and seven Chicago Bulls. Last night, he put in his best performance of the season in a 42-minute losing effort against the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, he scored 45 points on 58% shooting while hitting 63% from downtown. That goes along with seven rebounds and seven assists. Really good night for the young guard. Uh, that capped off an excellent three-game stretch for the 25-year-old. In the previous game, he scored 38 points, five rebounds, six assists, and two steals. The game before that, he had 32 points, seven rebounds, three assists, and a block. Uh, still not a whole ton of action for him on his sports card market. I'm looking at his 2014-2015 Prism Base rookie card graded at a PSA 10. In the past four weeks, there's only been eight sales, but there's been a general upward trend resulting in a 29% price increase since the beginning of the season. If he continues scoring at this pace for a little bit, I wouldn't be totally surprised to see some more sales start trickling in. Uh, there were 12 players in the league last year that averaged over 25 points per game. They were James Harden averaging 34.3 points per game, Bradley Beal at 30.5, Damian Lillard at 30, Trey Young 29.6, Giannis Antetokounmpo at 29.5, Luka Doncic at 28.8, Russell Westbrook 27.2, Kawhi Leonard 27.1, Devin Booker 26.6 points per game, Anthony Davis at 26.1, Zach Levine at 25.5, and LeBron James at 25.3 points per game. Uh, there's one name in that list that sort of sticks out as a sore thumb, is just not being in the same tier as a player as the rest. Uh, at least I believe as, as far as public perception goes, uh, I think the public would say as much. That, of course, is the player under discussion, Zach Levine. And there's good reason for that. Uh, it's that outside of raw scoring, there just isn't a whole ton that he offers. If you're listening to this as a podcast, you obviously can't see the screen right now, but I've just pulled up a table with the num with a number of stats for all the top 12 scores in the NBA last year. Uh, we're looking at scoring rates, the counting stats like rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, also net rating, block uh, box plus minus, BPM, PER, which is player efficiency rating, VORP, which is value over replacement player. Also, I threw assist percentage, uh, just tacked it on at the end. I also calculated the averages of each statistic for the 11 players outside of Zach Levine, then compared all of the players to the average 25 point per game score using red and green and yellow shading as an indicator of good performance, bad performance, and neutral performance. I should add, I'm not a statistician. I don't understand things like standard deviation unless someone else is explaining it to me. So some of my rating, if it's good or neutral or bad, could be a bit off. 
Uh, got a little subjective with it, kind of went with a gut feel on my part. Uh, feel free to pause the video, peruse all of these stats, and then disagree if you like. I'm not claiming that this is totally accurate. Uh, also, there's a lot of comparing apples to oranges in this whole evaluation. Since it's tough to compare a player like Anthony Davis to a guy like Trey Young, uh, they play just such totally different games. But I figured taking all of these different categories and then averaging them all out, regardless of position, could give us a fairly good general picture of how these guys rate compared to one another. Just based on the coloration of each player's stat line, quite clearly, Zach Levine is pretty much the worst 25-point-per-games player in the NBA. Uh, in the general counting stats, like rebounds and assists, he's worse than average. By net rating, he's a net negative four points per 100 possessions, which is certainly related to his team being very bad. Uh, also, in some of the catch-all metrics, he's well below average. For instance, uh, BPM, PER, VORP, they're all well below average. And then the last category is particularly bad, especially for a guard. Uh, he sports an assist percentage of just 21.7%. As a guy who has the ball in his hands as much as Zach Levine does, you really would hope that he'd be creating many more shots for his teammates, but he's by far the worst creator in this group on this category outside of Anthony Davis, who just simply doesn't have that sort of role in Los Angeles. So Levine scores in bunches. Certainly one of the best scorers in the league, and he's not all that inefficient at it at all. The last two years, he's been about league average by true shooting percentage. It's just everything else. He just doesn't do a whole lot besides scoring. He doesn't make his teammates better. Uh, not once in his career has his team been better with him. Uh, he's a big career net negative in net rating, including this short season in which he's been scoring in huge bunches. And there are four other players on this list that stand out with a good amount of red boxes. Uh, they're not as many as Zach Levine, uh, but those are Bradley Beal, Trey Young, Russell Westbrook, and Devin Booker. Bradley Beal does create quite a bit more for his teammates, and he's been a premier scorer for much longer, which does force people to give him the benefit of the doubt, even when he's a net negative, seeing as he's on a bad team. Trey Young is a super elite creator for his teammates, and he's young, and he's suddenly surrounded by good talent. So, of course, many people are willing to forgive him for any of his deficiencies. Russell Westbrook does stink now, although he, he obviously used to be pretty elite. But at the present, he's just clearly not on the same tier as the rest of these guys. Uh, also, Devin Booker has a lot of red, but he's still a net positive. He creates much better for his teammates then does Zach Levine, and he came into the league with a lot more underlying support, which just generally affords him more leeway in some of this stuff. Uh, plus, he's generally improved year over year throughout his career. Now, anytime I bring up the Bulls, I will field uh, questions in my DMs or on YouTube or wherever that, you know, why am I not as high on Zach Levine? Or else I, you know, hear a lot of people wondering why Zach Levine's prices aren't higher. I believe it's just an accumulation of all this stuff. You know, certainly most investors aren't researching all these additional categories, but teams do. And the general discussion around these players reflects that. You know, every guy on this list above Zach Levine has been discussed as a trade target in recent years. And Levine is generally always discussed as a piece for the Bulls to trade away rather than for anyone else to target. I believe it to be true that he will probably never be a go-to scorer on a good team. And uh, I also don't think that he's ever going to be targeted as a trade candidate for by a good team, unless there's just no other better options available. For that reason, I think that long-term, he's just not a great investment option, and you should probably put your hard and earned money elsewhere. Uh, perhaps there will be a run with him on scoring in the short term, and that would be fine. 
but I would suggest hold, uh, against holding super long if you are indeed holding his cards. Uh, perhaps, though, he starts getting better in all of these other categories. Uh, that's certainly not out of the question. He is only 25, still kind of young, but he's behind the eight ball here as he's never really been that player as of yet, and public perception is generally pretty down on him. Now, I understand this has been a lot of words for Zach Levine, of all people, but this discussion just does carry over to a lot of players that are really only scorers and the market remains pretty low on. I think in those cases, the market is accurately reflecting the player's actual performance. You know, there's just a whole ton to basketball outside of simply scoring. The only position in the league where raw scoring is one of the big focuses is the sixth man, the first guy off the bench, second guy off the bench. You know, those type of players, they're rarely going to have a huge market demand. So buyer be warned. Uh, that's enough on Zach Levine. Great scorer. I just don't know what else he can really offer, and I don't know what his future uh, really looks like. Uh, one of the teams making waves so far this young season is the Boston Celtics. Recently, some of the news has been COVID-19 related with the game against the Heat last night being suspended due to a number of positive tests. Uh, but the Celtics have also been a really good team so far in this young season. That's in no small part due to the dynamic duo of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I'm looking at their respective Prism PSA 10 rookie cards. Both have been in regular demand over the past four weeks, dating back to the beginning of the season. Jalen Brown's PSA 10 Prism base rookie card has sold on eBay about 35 times in that, in that time frame, uh, gaining 72% in value. Tatum's has sold 86 times over that same time period. But interestingly, it's been relatively flat along the way, minus a brief sp spike on January 8th. Over the four weeks of the season, uh, his PSA 10 Prism rookie card is down 3% overall. Jalen Brown has steadily improved in his five years in the league. He's averaging career highs this year in points, steals, blocks, and assists, also having the, his best shooting performances to date. All told, he's sitting at 26 points, 6 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 1.7 steals, and 0.7 blocks while shooting 42% from deep and an extremely efficient 62% true shooting. Jason Tatum's also averaging career highs in most categories. He's pouring in 26.9 points, 7.1 rebounds, 3.8 assists, 1 steal, and 0.8 blocks while shooting a hair under 44% from deep and an above average 59% true shooting. All told, uh, these two are probably the best two-way wing tandem in the league, and I believe also the best pair of 25 and under teammates anywhere. A very impressive stuff out of Boston. And clearly, the market is higher on Jason Tatum, both in price and in quantity of sales, but the stagnation in his prices is somewhat surprising. You know, there seems to be a clear point of resistance right around the $800 mark for this particular card. My personal opinion is that the market is just kind of waiting for another big moment from him. And we've known right along that he's going to be a star in this league. But it appears that the market is waiting for him to push into that next tier. And perhaps that'll take a few more weeks of stunning performances like he had last February. Maybe it'll take MVP conversations to start picking up. Maybe it'll take a big time playoff performance, whatever it is. His market is not going to stay stagnant in price for long. You know, the player, the NBA market in which he plays, the team, it's just all too good for us to be looking at a 3% loss over the first four, four weeks, uh, going back to just before the regular season began. With Jalen Brown, it's unsurprising that he's been seeing a, a rather large price increase. He's also shown a, a strong increase in performance and is in early discussions for most improved player. 
Uh, he appears to be likely for a first-time All-Star this year, although there won't be an actual All-Star game, but I believe they're still going to be warding All-Star status to the players. Uh, him raising his status to that next tier of player means that people are just generally excited around him at the moment. Long-term, it's no surprise. I've said it before. Uh, probably every single other person that talks about basketball cards has been saying it as well. Both of these guys are long-term buy and holds, provided, of course, the Celtics don't trade Jalen Brown for James Harden. I don't think they will. I hope they will. They don't do that. At the moment, Jason Tatum seems like a particularly good buy with the stagnant market thus far. I'm, I'm not just talking about their base prism rookies either. You know, that is by far not my favorite buy opportunities. It just presented a pretty good graph for me to put out for you. Uh, pretty much anything that you can grab should be able to gain value for a while, particularly uh, with these two young stars in a good market in Boston. Sticking out east, another team that has been very good out of the gate, the Philadelphia 76ers. They're sitting at 7-3 and three and at the top of the Eastern Conference. Uh, the Sixers are riding the back of the gargantuan efforts from their big man, Joel Embiid. In the past, one of the major knocks against Joel Embiid has been a, a bit of an up-and-down effort. You might say he's... Uh, that he's even put more effort into, into his the process persona than he has into his game. But this season, he's been looking locked in during the early going, and that's very good news for basketball fans. So far, he's averaging 24.6 points, 11.8 rebounds, 3.3 assists, and he's shooting 46% from downtown, which will regress a bit, along with 65% true shooting, which is the best of his career. Of course, we are working with small sample sizes. Regardless, it's been a while since we've seen this version of Joel Embiid, and he's really playing like an MVP candidate in the early going. If the Sixers go far in the postseason, and if they maintain their standing in the Eastern Conference, it's going to be on the back of Joel Embiid, and that's pretty clear. Uh, there's some COVID-19 stuff, of course, at the moment, but once that clears up, I expect him to continue just putting up some awesome numbers. Ben Simmons has been another story. The other star on the Philadelphia 76ers has looked exactly like himself to date, which is good and bad. It's good because Ben Simmons is a very good player. His defense has continued to be among the best in the league. He's still creating for his teammates, and, and everything that he does well, he's continued to do well right along the way. But it's the stuff that he hasn't done so much, you know, much of so far in his career that is a bit discouraging because he just hasn't taken a leap at all in those areas. He continues to be very passive, finding his own shot. He shies away from contact on his drive, uh, which at his size, he really should just be trying to take the contact and get to the free throw line. And he continues to be just a very average contributor in points. On a small sample size, his numbers are pretty much just what they've always been. We're looking at 13.4 points, 8.8 .8 rebounds, seven assists. All of that's right in line with his career averages. Points down by a few. He also has the usual good defensive numbers, 1.4 steals and 1.2 blocks. I have that reflected as 2.6 stocks on the graphic. And he's shooting just below average 54% true shooting. I really, really, really was expecting, or maybe I should say I was hoping, I was hoping that Ben Simmons would take a bit of a leap offensively this year, but here we are in his fourth season, fifth year since being drafted, and he's still going viral on Twitter every time he attempts a three, which just is simply not what we were hoping for. And the disparity in these two players' improvement or lack thereof so far heading into this year is being seen in their card market as well. 
looking at each of their PSA 10 Prism rookie cards. Embiid, Embiid's has been selling fairly regularly in the past four weeks, going back to the beginning of the season. On 32 total sales, his PSA 10 Prism rookie has increased 42%. A lot of people excited about what he's doing clearly. Ben Simmons hasn't been as popular on eBay, but still 22 sales during the same time, and his card is down 12%. I was down a bit more after a couple of weeks before seeing a bit of resurgence over the past week. Not a whole ton of additional analysis here. Uh, if Embiid continues to be playing like he has been, I expect his trajectory to continue for some time. And if Simmons continues playing the way he has, I expect his market to stagnate. You know, really just kind of disappointing stuff that, that Simmons just seems incapable of being a scorer in the NBA. But it's still a young season. Still a new coach. Perhaps that'll begin to change. Something for us to be monitoring. If we see him start to score over 20 points per game fairly regularly and the card market hasn't reacted yet, perhaps then that would be a good opportunity to buy him. Otherwise, this is simply wait and see time for Ben Simmons. Next up, we are looking at the starting five, focusing on five guys who are still starting out their careers, either in their first or second years. Maybe we'll even stretch it into their third on occasion. First up... Third-year man out of Kentucky, Captain Hamadou Diallo. Playing for Oklahoma City, of course, means that there isn't a ton of competition for stats around the roster, and Diallo is capitalizing. But it's not like he's seen a huge minute increase this year. Only 21 minutes per game, which is just up a couple of ticks from last season, but he's nearly doubled his output from last year. 12 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists per game, shooting poorly from 3, but still shooting well from the field on a 60% true shooting. His card market has been noticed, uh, has, has noticed this. His raw prism silver rookie cards are up 229% over the past four weeks, sitting around 50 bucks at the moment. Still mostly an energy and effort type of player, but certainly young and raw and extremely athletic could improve. Uh, this isn't a buy recommendation at all, but just a player I've been noticing more and more and certainly someone for you to monitor. Tyrese Maxey certainly had himself a game for the 76ers the other night. In his first big minutes of the season, he scored 39 points while shooting 55% from the field and 38% from three. That goes along with his seven rebounds, six assists, and two steals. Really good stuff all around from the rookie. He did play nearly 44 minutes in that game, and of course, that was with the Sixers only having seven players available to play in the game due to COVID-19. The NBA probably should have just canceled the game. Still, it's encouraging to see him playing well in his first really good look at NBA action. A couple of encouraging signs, only two turnovers in those 44 minutes. Very rare for a rookie guard to have that type of performance. As we wait for these rookies IPOs in a few weeks, once the new sets finally start trickling into the market, Tyrese Maxey, I believe, is one to watch. The New York Knicks have been somewhat of a surprise out of the gate as of this recording. They're sitting squarely at 500, although they do play tonight against the 500 Hornets. A lot of that is due to the old Tom Thibodeau trick where you just play your best players about 38 minutes per night, which isn't super sustainable for a player long term, but it does make the team look better in the short term. Of course, Julius Randle's been a big benefiter from that so far. R.J. Barrett has likewise been benefiting. He's leading the league in minutes per game. Uh, defensively, he's been rather impressive with the team being much better defensively with, defensively with him on the court. He's also improved as a passer, too. He's been creating much more for his teammates. The shot is still very bad. Uh, right now, he's, he's sporting a true shooting of 45% on the season, which is just 
terrible and extremely ugly. Who knows if he's going to turn it around on the scoring end. Uh, he will need to do so if he's ever going to make any real waves on the sports card marketplace. Still super young, though, only 20 years old, and he's definitely going to be getting the opportunities to improve as a scorer, as I don't think his minutes are going to be going anywhere this year. We'll see if month over month the shooting percentages improve. That will tell us a lot about his future prospects. Jared Culver is our next starter, and the early returns have been rough. After an extremely forgettable rookie season, his sophomore campaign has been slightly worse, actually. Still only managing about 24 minutes per game, which is certainly not what the Wolves envision upon drafting him so high. Rebounds are up to six, which is encouraging. That's partly because he's been masquerading as a power forward on occasion for the team. And everything else is pretty much down across the board. Only eight points, one assist, not much else. Shooting is very, very bad, and when you watch him shoot, it just kind of appears that his shot is broken. You know, we see this all the time. Players get in their own heads about their shots, and it's very tough to break a broken shot, as stupid as that sounds. It, it's tough to get yourself out of that rut. He wasn't a very advanced shooter in college, so perhaps this is just what he is, uh, which is pretty frustrating for everyone involved. Patrick Williams has looked awesome so far, particularly in comparison with the audible groans that you could be hearing or that you could hear resonating from Chicago on draft night. And so far in his young career, he's been forced to guard Giannis, LeBron, and Kawhi, and he's generally looked pretty solid along the way. He clearly is extremely gifted athletically, and you can tell he's just absorbing a lot in the early going. If he wasn't the fourth overall pick, he probably would not be starting every single night. And if Jim Boylan was coaching, he probably wouldn't be playing as much as he is at all. But we have Billy Donovan in the house, thankfully. He knows that this year is all about learning and growing and building. Patrick Williams is benefiting. 10.3 points, 3.5 rebounds, one assist, fine stuff from the raw rookie. Uh, bigger for him and his guard market is that he's been receiving uh, plenty of praise from the Clippers, from LeBron. If that type of thing continues throughout the next few months, you can expect him to be a rather in-demand rookie once our 2020 sets start dropping. All right, that's all the time I have for today. As always, really appreciate you taking out the time of your day to Come and watch and join along with me, and we'll see you next week. Enjoy the next week of NBA action. Fingers crossed that we actually have some games to watch. Thanks.